Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the precious gift it is to have your word before us. And we pray that you may help us to understand it this morning because, Lord, we recognise that we have hard hearts. We're sinful creatures and we cannot understand your word without the help of your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we ask, we beg that you would give us your Holy Spirit in abundance here this morning so that we can comprehend what you have said and so that we can then apply it to our lives so that we may become more and more like your Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, how well do people know you? How well do people know you? There's lots of people in your life, and certain people have more knowledge about you than others. Of course, your work colleagues know something about you, but generally speaking, they only know a fraction of your life. And then, of course, your friends, you let a little bit further in, and so they know a bit more about you. But then, who really knows you? Well, that's your family. They get to see you more than anybody else. They get to see you in particular circumstances where you probably wouldn't reveal yourself to your friends. If you're having a pretty bad day, you'd just not see your friends. But your family are there, living in the house. And particularly if you're married, uh, your spouse definitely knows you uh, probably better than anyone else. But we're all private people and we hide ourselves from others and we recognise that we can't know one another exhaustively. I know a lot about Jill, but I don't know her exhaustively. I don't know everything about her. In fact, we don't even know everything about our own selves. How well do you know yourself? It's funny, last, uh, last week we had some people over uh, for a meal and the conversation turned to religion, uh, which I always think is a great dinner conversation. People say you should not discuss religion and politics at the dinner table. I think they're my first two priorities to discuss at the dinner table. If I can somehow move the conversation to religion, uh, it's a pretty good conversation. And it moved to that, and we're talking about the Trinity and how difficult it is to understand the Trinity. And I said, well, it makes sense that we can't understand the Trinity because you're talking about who God is in his essence. And how do you think that you can comprehend who God is in his essence, who he essentially is, when we don't even know ourselves fully. And some girls were there and they admitted, they said, yes, how well do you know yourself? Because, you know, often I'm like, I'm crying, but I don't know why I'm crying. And all the girls admitted around the table, yes, that does happen. I cry and I go, I don't know why I'm crying, I'm just crying. Um, and so that's a profound insight for men to have about women, I think, uh, when they're crying. Uh, be aware that that sometimes is the case, that uh, you're not supposed to know because they don't know themselves as well. People admit that they don't know everything, even about themselves. Others don't know everything about them, and we don't even know ourselves everything about us. So the question is, how well does God know you? Does God know why you are crying, even if you don't know why you are crying? How well does God know you? And that's my first main point this morning, answering that question. And it is, God knows everything about you. If you've got a bulletin there, you can see on the back, I've got my four main points this morning. My first main point is, God knows everything about you. And that comes from verse 13 of Hebrews chapter 4. We've been slowly working through the book of Hebrews. And last week we looked at uh, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. And this week we've come to verse 13, 
where we see that God knows everything about us. It says in verse 13 of Hebrews chapter 4, if you've got a black church Bible, it's page 1186, and I encourage you to have it open before you, 1186. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Last week we saw that God's word cuts into us in verse 12. It says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The word, I said last week, comes in and comes right to your heart. It judges your thoughts and attitudes. It digs deep into you. Which means, if the word comes in that deep, it means... What verse 13 says, God knows everything about you. If his word can penetrate like that, that means God knows everything about you. And he says, the author of Hebrews says that God knows everything about you in a couple of ways. He says, firstly, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. So you can't hide from God. Another way of translating it is nothing is invisible or not manifest. It's the word for manifestation, the Greek word, and they've, they've uh, put a modifier on the front so that it's the opposite of manifestation. Nothing is invisible from God. It doesn't matter if you can get an invisible cloak and put it over you. God can still see you. Nothing is invisible from God. And then the other way that he says that God knows everything about you is everything is uncovered. Everything is uncovered. It's interesting the NIV's translation there by saying everything is uncovered. The Greek word is actually naked. And I wonder whether the NIV translators are trying to be discreet here and not use the word naked. I can't see why they would, but I just don't know why they didn't translate the word naked there. But, I mean, that is the idea that is being uh, said there in the NIV translation. Everything is uncovered. Everything is naked. You're naked before God. There is nothing between you and God stopping his knowledge of you. You are completely naked before God. And then the other way that it describes how God knows everything about us, it says, everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. The word translated there, laid bare, is an interesting word, and there's probably two ways, uh, two ideas that are being conveyed here. There's a word that is uh, used when the head is drawn back and the neck is exposed. And so the Greeks often use that word when they would uh, talk about wrestling. So it was a decisive hold where you'd wrap your arm around the opponent's neck and the head is back and the neck is exposed. And so that's how it's been laid bare. The other wrestler has been laid bare and is being put to sleep usually uh, with a sleeper hold around the person's neck. Uh, the other way that it may, uh, the other idea that it may be referring to is uh, a sacrificial idea. So when the animal is being sacrificed, they'd hold the head up, expose the neck, and then of course cut the neck of the animal. And I think that's probably more the idea that's going on here because we've just had back in verse 12 talking about God and his word. And what was the metaphor that was used for the word of God in verse 12? For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. So I think the sword idea is there, and I'd say that's what uh, the author is getting at here, is that when God sees you, he exposes 
the most important parts of you and you're ready for sacrifice if he wants to with his sword. You can't hide your neck before God. You are exposed before God. He knows everything about you. And so the point here is you can't hide from God. He uses a couple of different ways of saying it, but the point that the take-home message for you is you cannot hide from God. And so what does that mean for humans who love to hide? We hide ourselves from others. We hide ourselves from work colleagues. We hide ourselves from friends. We hide ourselves from family. What does that mean? Well, it means you can't hide yourself physically from God. It means you can't go to another country and think that God doesn't know you. You might be able to hide yourself from the Australian police force in that way. It doesn't mean that you can even go out into outer space and hide from God. He knows where you are at all times if he knows all things about you. It means also that you don't just hide your, you can't hide yourself from God. It means you can't hide your actions from God either. Means that you can't go behind closed doors and think that God doesn't see what's going on there. You might think, oh yes, God knows I'm in Australia, but he doesn't know what I do in my house. And that might be because you've got an inner room with lots of locks on it, you've got some sort of panic room, and you think no one can see inside this room. No God can see in there. You can get a cone of silence and think that you can say things behind it and no one else can hear that and that means that God doesn't hear it either. No, God hears what you say behind your little cone of silence that you might have invented and think that God doesn't know what's going on behind it. also means you can't hide your history from God. People love to hide things they've done in the past and they pay people off, they destroy records. But no, that history remains. God still remembers all that you have done. God has an enormous memory. He can remember it. It means that you can't hide things like your financial records from God. It doesn't matter which bank you're with and the security that they promise that your details will never be released to anyone else and the strongest encryption that they may be able to put and the best password that you can then choose to access your bank account so that no one else can see it. God sees it. God knows what's going on there. It means that your internet usage is monitored by God and recorded by God as well. It doesn't matter how many proxies you use, how many ways you try and keep other people from prying as to what you're doing on the internet, how often you clear your internet history. God knows what's going on. And he's got a record of it. He knows everything about you. And he even knows your very thoughts. You might think that everybody can... Access, even, you know, banks can lose information. Yes, my financial records might be exposed. But no one can know what I'm really thinking, particularly as I'm such a good poker player and I've got a good poker face. So no one knows what's going on. God knows what's going on inside your head. He knows your real thoughts. He's not fooled by your poker face. He knows everything about you. He even knows things about you that you don't know yourself. He knows things like the number of hairs on your head. I don't think anyone in this room can tell me how many hairs are on their head unless they've got a few less than pretty much everybody else and, uh, and so they can count them uh, because there's hardly any there. But most of us have no clue how many hairs are on our head, but God knows. God knows. And he knows things that you have done that are wrong and you have no idea that they were wrong. 
Psalm 19 says, Who can discern his errors? Who can discern his errors? And he asks, the psalmist then asks God, Forgive my hidden faults, sins that I've committed without even knowing it myself. Forgive my hidden faults, faults that are hidden not just from everybody else, but even hidden from me. God knows things about you that you don't even know yourself. But does God then know everyone exhaustively in that way? You might think, oh, yes, I'm sure he knows everybody else like that. But does he know me like that? Well, what does it say in the verse? Verse 13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Are you a created being? Yes. Everyone in this room is a created being. If you're uncreated, well, then you are God. And I don't think I've got anyone here that's going to be claiming that they're God to me afterwards in the in the break. No, everybody here is created, which means nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight, which means that you are not hidden from God's sight. He knows everything about you. But is that a big deal? Is that a problem? Is it a problem that God knows everything about you? Just imagine if God was able to know everything about you but was unable to do anything about it. Would that be particularly scary? Imagine that God is like a massive filing cabinet. He has lots of records, but who's scared of a filing cabinet? Unless, of course, it falls on you if it's a really big one. Is God really that scary? He might know everything about you, but is that a big deal? You're quite happy for God to know everything about you. Well... My second main point this morning is that God knows everything about you and judges everything. God knows everything about you and one day he will call you to account for what you have done. Did you see that at the end of the verse 13? It says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account to whom we must give account. One day, you will be before God, the God who knows everything, and he will call you to account for what you have done with your life. He will judge everything that you have done. Back in verse 12, we see that God is a God who judges. It says at the end of verse 12, it, the word of God, judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. He will judge you for what you have done, and he will ask you for an account of your life including things that you don't even know that you've done yourself. He will call you to account for those, and that is on the day of judgment. Jude 14 and 15 says, See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts they have done in the ungodly way and of all the harsh words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. God is coming, and what does he say coming with? Thousands upon thousands of his holy ones. He's coming with a vast army. He is not a filing cabinet that can't do anything. He knows everything about you. And he is one who judges, one who convicts, and one who punishes people for sin. But is that really a problem? Maybe you think, oh, that's okay, because I haven't sinned. I haven't done anything wrong. I have nothing to fear. I mean, realistically, if you get hauled into a court here in Australia and you've done nothing wrong and can prove that you've done nothing wrong, do you have anything to fear from the judge? Particularly if the judge is an all-knowing, all-powerful judge. 
Of course he's going to say, oh, no, Joel, you can go. That's okay. No problems. I know that you've done the right thing. You have nothing to fear from the judge. Is that our attitude toward God? We'll be able to stand before God, give him an account and say, ah, it's okay. He knows that I've been a good person. He knows there's nothing wrong with me. And so there's no punishment that I have to fear from God. He, He can convict all those other sinners, but he won't be convicting me. Well, that's not true. All of us, if we are honest, know that we are sinners. We all know that we have thought things that are wrong. We have hated others when we should have loved them. We all know we have said things that were wrong. We have told lies when we should have told the truth. We all know we have done things that are wrong, that are sins. We have stolen things that didn't belong to us, taken money when it wasn't ours, when we should have given it instead of kept it. We have all done wrong things. We have all sinned. And God has a record of all those sins and he will punish us for those sins. Which means this verse becomes very scary if you're honest about your own life and your own assessment of it. If nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight, that means he knows everything about you. And if he is the one who will call you to an account, then one day you will be punished for what you have done. So what are you to do? Are you going to be this sacrifice where your neck is laid bare and God will have to punish you? You're exposed and instead of being then let go, you are punished for eternity in hell. What are you going to do? Well, that brings me to my third main point this morning. God knows everything about you, so hide in Christ. I said before that there's no place to hide, and I meant no place to hide in this world. There's no physical location you can go, but there is one hiding place for sinful men and women, and that is in Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.3 3 says, For you died, talking about Christians, and your life is now hidden with Christ. Your life is now hidden with Christ. You are hidden in Christ and you can hide in Christ. Your sins can be taken away. How? How can God be an all-knowing, all-just God and then let you go free when you know you're a sinner and deserve punishment? And so, of course, he knows you're a sinner and deserve punishment. How can he let you go? Well, it's because of Christ. Jesus becomes the sacrifice that you deserve to be. His neck is exposed and he is killed instead of you. He becomes the sacrifice for your sin and so he is punished for your sins instead of you. All those things that God has records of, all those evil, sinful actions he has records of, They are put upon Jesus. And that is what the author of Hebrews is going to draw out if we ever continue uh, in Hebrews. I found it hard going and I'm going to take a break to Ezra next week. But if we ever come back to Hebrews 4 and then into 5 and 6 and 7, it starts to get very strong language about blood sacrifices. And if we just turn over to one verse, um, no, two verses that I want to read. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, as an example as to what Christ has done for us. Hebrews 9, 27. 
page 1190, 1190 of the Black Church Bibles. Hebrews 9.27 says, Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. If you're afraid of God and his omniscience, his all knowledge about you, and the, one, the fact that one day you'll have to give an account for him, then you must flee to Christ. You must hide in him. How do you hide in Christ? Well, you come to him in repentance, acknowledging that you're a sinner and deserve to be punished, and you simply trust that Jesus died for you. You ask for forgiveness from God, believing that Jesus is the sacrifice for you, that your sins have been paid for. That is what you need to do. And if you're not a Christian and you're here this morning, I encourage you to do that. Hide your life in Christ. Read what verse 13 says here about God's knowledge about you and be afraid. But then flee to Christ and know that the love of Christ drives out that fear that you have of God because he protects you. He preserves you because he experienced God's wrath on the cross instead of you. All your punishment was taken away and he experienced God's wrath in your behalf. Now, is there anything else then that you can learn from this verse, that you can do from knowing about God's omniscience, his all-knowing power? Well, that brings me to my fourth and last main point. God knows everything, so be encouraged. I just wanted to add this on at the end here to encourage the Christians in the room that many times you do the right thing, but people think that you've done the wrong thing. They misjudge you. They slander you. They gossip about you. They lie about you. And you've actually been honest. You've actually done the right thing. You've actually been honest about Christianity and they have hated it and so they might have persecuted you. Well, just remember that God knows everything. He knows what your motives were. He knows whether you told the truth or not. He knows whether you did the right thing with your actions. And so be encouraged. Because Christians, we can do good works that God is pleased with. We are sinners. We still do bad things. But we can do, with the help of Christ, good works. But often, we, as we still live in this sinful world, we will get hurt for doing the right thing. And that's where it doesn't matter if everybody turns against you. Your family turns against you. Your friends turn against you. They all think that you did the wrong thing. You can find comfort in the fact that God knows. Your Heavenly Father, He knows what you've done. And you can trust that one day when you give an account for your life, He will reward you for what you've done. And all those people who have persecuted you will be shown to be wrong because they misjudged you and were prejudiced against you. So do you recognise that God knows everything about you? Do you see the truth in this verse? Do you recognise that one day you will be called to give an account for everything you have done and thought, as this verse says? Does that make you tremble with fear? Just imagine 
one other person knowing everything about you. Would that make you afraid? Yes. If Jill knew everything about me exhaustively, knew how many hairs were on my head, everything about me, I'd be a little afraid of her and the knowledge that she has of me. But imagine if the all-powerful God, much stronger than Jill, knows everything about you. You should be afraid. Does that then make you flee to Christ as you should? Everybody in this room should be doing that even now, even if you're a Christian. You should be, in your heart, renewing your repentance and faith in Christ, saying, yes, this week I've done wrong things. Lord, please forgive me. May my life be hidden with Christ so that I do not experience your wrath. And then if you are a Christian, do you take comfort in the fact that God does know all? It is scary thought, but it can be a comforting thought as well. And I encourage you to remember God's knowledge, not just in the way that scares you, but in a way that encourage you, encourages you as well. Let us speak with our God now. Heavenly Father, it is so difficult for our minds to grasp what it means that you know everything about us, not just one of us, but every single person on this planet and every single person who has ever been You know everything about every creature. Lord, it blows our minds, but it also scares us. We're scared when people find out our deepest and darkest secrets, let alone if they were to find out everything about us. But Lord, to consider that you know everything about us and you will one day call us to an account really scares us. Lord, we pray that that fear may turn to repentance and trust in Jesus Christ as the only way of salvation, the only way that we can be safe. We can't hide anywhere on this planet. We can't hide behind anyone else. We can only hide in Christ. And Lord, we pray that everyone in this room hides in Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray that we may also take comfort from this verse, that we know that even if everybody else misunderstands us, if we have tried to do the right thing, that you, our Heavenly Father, know. And we pray that we may find comfort there. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.